here we go again. Yes, what is up, everybody? And welcome back to a, another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate. Signal still good for now, John. And Brandon. <laughs> Boys, this week we got a lot to get to. We're going to preview the first UFC fight night of the year, headlined by Giga Chikadze versus Calvin Cater. We also have another facts don't care about your feelings from Brandon. Sliding one more of those in on you. We also have a lot of big new announcements surrounding UFC 270 to discuss. And finally, we have a special one for the people where we're going to ask if aliens came down today, who would you rather have grab the mic for first contact? Chael Sonnen or Connor McGregor? All that and more. But first, boys, how are we doing? Uh, so I am fairly certain I'm dealing with like the first wave of COVID, like as we speak. So this, mm-hmm. this is going to be an interesting one. So yeah, if I'm anybody very- ever questions my loyalty, <laughs> my loyalty to the pod, I am just, just, just let it be known that I'm doing this. Oh, it's amazing. 2022, right yeah. Yeah. I, ho- I really hope. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, you're good. I was just gonna say, I really do hope it isn't the man flu. Cause if it is, it's not going to look real bad. <laughs> That's after I, I, said I hope this. it's the man flu. <laughs> uh yeah i'm dealing with something too man i just told you guys same thing man like i just told you like even just doing that intro like i'm just getting so winded uh, i took a covid test yesterday it was negative but i think i'm gonna take another one just a home test tomorrow if i'm not feeling any better but all my symptoms are like lining up Dude, i just can't even get off the couch like i'm just yeah. constantly freezing cold um so yeah we'll see we'll see what's your first time happens. getting the uh potential covid brandon I, I literally haven't had any symptoms since yeah. the beginning of 2020. So it's just like last, you to yeah. be late on a pandemic too. Like, yeah. I, I just wanted to give it a chance to see if I liked it. I don't yeah, know. I wanted to get everybody out of the way. Yeah. See how everyone else did with it first. I, I'll be honest with you real quick, fellas. I'm kind of missing the intro music and stuff. Oh, uh, dude. Uh, spoiler alert. Hopefully I got the word today that next this Wednesday, excuse me, the mixer will be back, which means oh. hopefully as long as the mixer is actually fixed that next <laughs> next week's podcast will be back to usual um unless brandon has covid i'm assuming he probably won't make it in which we'll probably have to do we'll figure it out then but hopefully next week the mixer's back fingers crossed yeah and awesome. i miss the the sound effects and the music oh, it just part of like our, our product man yeah it's a different vibe it's a different oh. vibe with all that stuff I do have a question, um, and Brandon, you've been doing yours at your office, so this might not pertain to you, but it could pertain to you because I see you're at home tonight, so mm-hmm. this could pertain to you this time. Now that we're done with these Zoom pods, how many of these pods, I'm going to start with John, have you had pants on? Oh, all of them. Oh, you've yeah. had pants on all of them? Oh, yeah. Oh, not I'm me. Usually, cause I'm <laughs> I don't usually, have pants like, on right now. <laughs> I'm usually doing stuff right up until we do it, like I'm doing yeah. stuff around the house to get ready for you know work monday i'm getting laundry going whatever whatever so i'm usually like sitting down and then i'll get up from this and take care of my last little bit of stuff so oh man brandon yeah, you have I'm pants a- on currently <laughs> yeah i well i have shorts on so yeah pretty much oh, I, gosh, i'm not man. i'm not yeah i'm not my skivvy sorry i have not had pants guy. on in one of these pods uh these zoom pods just for the people to know i might continue this next week when we're back in <laughs> studio so it's it's like pretty nice i don't mind it i, I mean put, to be fair though on and- how often are you wearing pants on right now? Anyways, being at home a little bit. Oh yeah. Not very often. I mean, I'm wearing, I'm getting like three, four 
wears out of my jeans because I literally put them on to <laughs> like to say, go somewhere and come right back. <laughs> you probably have them all on deck ready because they're just not being worn. Yeah, it, it, yeah, very true. Um, I I am very curious. Um, John, I'm I'm glad that you are here today. Um, I'm really was worried about you uh, with your Indianapolis Colts. Uh, oh, bummer God. today. Bummer yeah. today. Couldn't get it done against the worst team in the NFL. All you had to do was beat the worst team in the NFL yeah. to make it to the playoffs. And I heard a special report um, from uh, Adam Scheffner that the Jaguars are considering a name change next year to the Jacksonville Colt Killers. So, I mean, they could do it. I mean, we haven't beat them at home in like seven years. So, <laughs> like, why? It's just they've the literally been thing, the worst man. team, like, probably the worst franchise in NFL history. Like, I just, well, it's crazy because, like, earlier this year, they beat the Bills like nine to three in like a snooze fest. And, like, that's what this was looking like. And then they kind of put some stuff together. But, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not looking John, forward to next week's hard knocks episode. So, the Colts losing to, come on, man. I mean, you guys. Jonathan Taylor. Isn't he supposed to be MVP? Let's talk about that. Isn't he supposed to be MVP? He is. If he wasn't on the team, we'd be the same record as the Jags. Crazy man. Crazy. Well, I, I'm interested to know what did that Raiders game? Did they end up just taking knees the whole time or whatever that was? Because all they have to do is end in a tie, and both of them make it to the playoffs. So there was like this big thing of they could literally come out and just take knees the whole game and tie zero zero yeah, no, and they both make the playoffs. I don't think the NFL would be very happy about that. One. No, I think they, the coaches came out and said like, yeah, we're not, you know, we have too much respect for the game, but I say F your respect when the playoffs are aligned. Let's get it done. Yeah. boys. <laughs> It'll be interesting that this whole week was kind of crazy um, or this whole weekend was crazy with the stuff with the Steelers and big Ben making his last little run. And- hey, don't deflect now we're getting off topic. He always does that. I know. Well, I mean, wh- where are the Bears at? Oh, the, the Bears. Last time they were- Z- hold on. Hold- Z- yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. Because you're like, but I'm just saying, like, well, here's the thing: we were never good to begin with. Well, so you admit it. Our play, yeah, our playoffs were done in like week five. So <laughs> when we were like one and four, we knew it was over at that point. Uh, which is pretty much every year. We got a coach on the way out. I mean, it's it, it's dark days. We're in rebuild mode. So, but have been. I can since- promise you this. The Super Bowl you last went to when it was the worst team in the NFL at the time, the Detroit Lions. We got it done. Know that, and they just beat the Packers. So without Aaron Rodgers, I'm just I don't think Aaron Rodgers played today. Yeah, he did. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty positive. I didn't watch the game. I just heard you. There was a big chance he wasn't. I'm pretty sure they played, but it is what it is. We were playing for it. Not a lot of teams get a chance to even play for the playoffs. So I don't know how it feels to be you. So. Oh boy, I'm liking this. This I don't. Dark, you guys don't usually go at it, go at each other like this very often. <laughs> it's, well, he don't really get a chance to flex football much because the Bears always suck. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. He does have a point there. Okay, that's it's been a rough, rough couple of years for the Bears since the Super Bowl loss to the Colts. Uh, Brandon, let the people know what we need them to do each and every week when they listen to this podcast. Each and every week, we're, we're just asking that, that you guys get involved. Um, like, subscribe if you're on Apple. Please leave a comment. Um, even if it's a few words, we will, we will shout you out. Um, follow us on our social media, at Neon Belly, on Instagram, Twitter. Um, be on the lookout for the YouTube. We're, we're going to be heading up there soon. And, um, yeah, follow us. I like it. That, there's real conviction in that. Conviction. Listen, man. I'm, you today's practice that in the mirror? One. Boys. This Saturday night, January 15th, excuse me, our first UFC fight night of the year. Main event, Giga Chikadze 
versus Calvin Cater. Uh, boys, Giga is a perfect 7-0 and in the UFC with his last victory being a third-round knockout over Edson Barbosa in August of last year. Then we got Calvin Cater, who's fighting for the first time in almost a year. I think that fight was January 16th of last year. Uh, obviously, his last loss was uh, the very one-sided decision to Max Holloway, um, in which Max put on one of the greatest singular striking performances ever. Um, that fight, like I said, January of last year, um, I'm not sure if a loss like that is why Cater took off the rest of 2021, but uh, either way, I'm glad he did. <laughs> Yeah, he might have got a year beat out of his life is what we're what we're really getting at here. Yeah, I kind of did try to look some stuff up to see if there was like maybe he was supposed to fight and then maybe it got canceled. I didn't see anything. Um, so I'm assuming that hopefully just him and his team uh, made a really, really good decision. And we're like, look, let's just take some time yeah. off. Yeah, Listen, when Dana's like trying to get the ambulance up closer to the ring just in case. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, I was gonna say this honestly may have been a little bit of Dana playing some cards there. <laughs> like he was he was nervous at the end of that that fight. So yeah, I, it's funny the, the no, you're good. I was just saying, just gonna add to that. It's funny that like since as we're getting closer to this fight, that that footage of him after that fight is starting to like circulate heavy because I don't really remember seeing that footage until now. Do you guys of of Dana being mm -hmm. like he's like he, who was it? Was it Sean or it was one of the matchmakers that he went up to and he was just like, I mean, he looked like he had just seen a murder. Well, he was kind of watching the potential one. I mean, if we're in the streets, that's a battery, maybe attempted murder. I mean, that was oof, that was and rough. In the, in the words of Ben Ashkin, that's a that's a homicide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really was. It was crazy. Well, let's talk about this fight, boys, because I'm really excited for this. Um, stylistically. Um, you know, I feel like when I look at Calvin Cater's fights and especially most recently when he's had success, it's been against guys, um, who are willing to sit in the pocket, kind of trade with him a little bit, like a Dan Ige, Jeremy Stevens, you know, some of these guys. Um, and I really, I guess kind of telling you who I think I'm going to, who's going to win this. Um, I think Giga, his movement is just on a different level. Um, the way that he's in and out, his footwork, um, and kind of like Max did to Cater. And I'm not saying that we'll see that type of performance because um, I, I, I do think that this will be a pretty close fight. I think Cater is going to have some, you know, some pretty big moments in this. Um, I just feel like with Giga, though, um, like the way that because Max is primarily a boxer, right? Like he does most of his work with his hands and then Giga's kind of does the same thing with kicking, but just that range finder and the way how fast that dude throws kicks is just un freaking real, man. The way they come out of nowhere. Um, I could see him, you know, going to the body, but the biggest thing when I watched that Edson fight that I could really kind of see is a big knee. I could see Giga landing a big knee that just knocks Cater out kind of like we saw Frankie Edgar and Corey Sanhagen. So you think he's going to, you could see a flying knee from Yeah, Giga? he threw us. Oh, dude, he threw this knee against Edson. And, you know, Edson is just a different freak himself when it comes to the stand up, you know, really high level. And, and I, but I think against somebody like Cater, who's just more in and out, if that makes sense, um, I, I think that a knee like this lands big because he barely missed in that Edson fight with this knee. And I was like, man, like, I mean, there was just no wind up, no setup. Edson just stepped in and he just snapped it and it kind of hit him in like the upper chest area. It didn't quite connect to the chin, but I, I just, I don't know, man, with Cater, um, with the way he just kind of comes in, I could just see one of those big knees or, or I could see Giga, you know, doing that Giga kick, just messing the body up, tearing his body up as well. 
So, yeah, so I think the last loss that Cater had before Max was to Zabit, who is also a very diverse yeah. kind of all around, all over the place type of fighter. Yep. Um, and in the third round, Cater started to have a decent comeback. But for most of that fight, man, Zabit was just kind of all over, all over the place and Cater really struggled um, to get going. So for me, the biggest story here is what kind of headspace is Cater going to be in coming into this fight? Because, yeah. you know, the long layoff, the way he took that loss, excuse me to max um i just think he has a lot of questions that he's getting ready to answer on saturday and giga who's obviously has been way more active um well i guess you can't say way more active but his last half of 21 was more active than cater's obviously sure. um but yeah so for me it's a big question of what what kind of shape is cater going to show up in mentally especially um because you know just like tony ferguson and um gaichi you know losses like that man they really do something to fighters yeah. So I'll be interested to see how Cater performs. Yeah, I um, I think this is going to be very interesting because we've never seen Giga in a five round fight, so we don't know how he looks. Uh, the uh, the Edson was a main event. Oh, it was. Yeah, okay. it just it ended in the third. Well, we've never seen him get to five. All his fights sure. are first or third round, whether it's right. win or lose. Um, so we don't know what he looks like going five. Obviously, we know Cater's got in there with some really good people. Um, gone the distance. His losses are only decisions, so he doesn't get finished like that. So I think it'll be interesting to see if, you know, because Giga does start fast. I mean, we've seen it in the Edson fight. He can pour it on pretty quickly. So it'll be interesting to see if, if he hurts him, if he can't finish him, how long he can keep that up, and if Cater can maybe drag him into the deeper rounds and maybe use some of his experience with that. But that being said, Giga's, you know, he's kind of put himself into that that zone of like, we got to keep seeing him beat these guys. We got to see him do certain things, but he's doing it at such an amazing level that it's kind of like, it's, it's really fun to watch. That's for sure. Yeah. I think one of Cater's biggest advantages in this fight is the fact that he has been five rounds so many times. Uh, like you said, Giga's has never been past the third round and, and Cater's a durable guy, man. I will say that for him. You know, if there's somebody that could really, you know, drag Giga into some deep water you know, get tired, you know, it's tough being like a big dynamic striker like that, where you're constantly throwing like crazy kicks and, um, you know, the, the amount of footwork and the pace that Giga, uh, has, I, I, we've just never seen it. So we don't know, but I could see maybe in the later rounds, um, where he could fade a little bit and where I say, I think Cater will have his moments and especially in that Edson fight, you know, one thing, that we that in that fight that we saw Giga do is he gets kind of careless sometimes, or maybe it's frustrating. He just does like these crazy blitz in where he literally just runs right at the guy, right? Mm -hmm. And every time he did that against Edson, he got cracked. Um, and if he gets hit like that from Cater, Cater is going to make him pay for that. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, so I do think he needs to be careful with that. I hope he's a little bit more patient. Um, you know, I know Edson's a little bit trickier. He was, you know, doing some things that I don't really think that Cater could could possibly do um i would like to see maybe cater i wouldn't mind seeing giga you know on the ground maybe if he tries to test him there i don't know if that's really you know within uh cater's dna so to speak um but i can't really recall seeing giga on the ground per he se does have three submission wins but not necessarily he hasn't done that i mean he tried he almost locked up that choke on edson remember yeah it was a bravo it was a yeah bra i think it was bravo or any kind of one of the two wasn't and didn't giga compete at adcc was that him? Well, I might have been, but I know he does have three sub wins, and then we've seen him try some against Edson. But I mean, yeah, I mean, he he's not devastating people on the ground the way he is with his striking. So that might be an area that Calvin probably tries to take a chance at. 
Yeah, I'm not seeing it. Maybe it wasn't Giga that was the kickbox that also did jujitsu. So maybe not. But yeah, no, yeah, I forget. I, I I for sure agree. I think, you know, I think trying to drag him, wear on him, you know, tire him out a little bit. Um, and, and Giga too, in that fight too, he doesn't respond very well when he gets hit. I mean, I, I don't think anybody likes getting hit. So to say he doesn't like getting hit, but you know, like famously Brock Lesnar was the guy, you know, when he got hit, there was like big reactions out of him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, same thing in that Edson fight, man, every time he got cracked, um, he kind of like had to like reset, you know, he stumbled back and it, like shocked him and he had to kind of reset for a minute, um, which could be credit to Edson, but same thing, man, cater cracks. So um not a guy you want to be just charging in carelessly and getting hit by because he will make him pay yeah neither guy has room to just be leaving themselves open for big shots because either one of them have that type of finishing power that's right well boys a uh, new format on the pod we just talked about it earlier before we recorded um we're gonna pick for these fights as we go um so before we move on we need to make sure we do that um kind of like i said i'm gonna go giga um, on this oh we'll just keep our same order so i finished in last place so we'll go me brandon john um i'm gonna go giga um and it's kind of crazy because the fact that max couldn't fi- finish cater you know you could be thinking like well how does how could a guy like giga but we've also seen and we've heard that you know a lot of fighters say when you go through a fight like that you're never quite the same um and like mm-hmm. brandon said he's gonna have a lot of questions to answer um i don't know if his chin uh will quite be the same, but I think Giga is going to test it in some pretty unique ways. Um, and I, I really, I don't know why I really feel like he's going to start tearing up that body too. I could see him dropping him with the body and getting on top of him and maybe TKO him. So I'm going to say Giga Chikadze by TKO in the third round. Nice. Okay. So I'm going to go Giga as well. I, I part of me wants to say you made this decision because I think cater so tough, but again, like you were saying, after you come off a loss like you did to, like you did to Max, man, I, I just don't know where the head's going to be, where's the chin, what kind of damage he, you know, what kind of lasting damage did that have? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Giga by TKO, but I'm gonna say later, I'll go round, I'm gonna go round five. Nice. Uh, I'm going Giga as well. I, I feel like when I talk about like the fighters that are kind of doing things at a high level, like a Hamzad or people like that who you just want to keep on seeing them test themselves. This is a big test fight, obviously the biggest fight. Um, because Barbosa obviously was his biggest win previous, but, you know, Calvin's been toward the top of that. So I'm taking Giga, and I'm going to take a third-round sub. I don't think he can, like, finish him, but I think if he hurts him, his, his willingness to throw on chokes like that, I think help him in a fight like that where he could be causing some pain and kind of getting him up against the cage or whatnot. All righty, boys. Well, moving on to our, we'll say co-main event for now. So um, we were supposed to have our co-main event, <clears throat> excuse me, was supposed to be uh, Michelle Pereira taking on Muslim Salikov. However, Salikov pulled out of this fight for an undisclosed reason. Um, and at the time, and shout out to Brandon for catching that literally a couple hours before we recorded because I did not see that. Uh, that fight is still on according to ESPN. So good catch there, Brandon. Um, we just want to let That's people with know. with a flip phone too, just saying. Yeah, I just want to let people know you do care about the podcast. Like you do stuff, you know? Yeah, I actually do. Yeah, you do stuff. Uh, and at the time of this recording, they've not found a new fight uh, for Michelle. Um, so I'm going to assume that he's probably off the card. I mean, it's not crazy to think they won't get somebody on a week's notice. I just didn't see it. So we're going to assume the next fight on the card will assume the co-main event position 
Um, and that next fight is going to be, excuse me, my notes. There we go. The women's 125 pound division, Caitlin Chukagian taking on Jennifer Maya. Uh, this is a rematch. Uh, Chukagian won the first meeting between these two back in 2019. Uh, since then, Chukagian has won three out of her last five. Her only two losses, excuse me, being to Valentina for the title and Jessica Andrade. Uh, she's currently on a two-fight win streak. Maya has won two out of her last three since the last meeting. Um, she took a crack at Valentina, came up short, as most have. Uh, she's uh, currently coming in off a unanimous decision victory over Jessica I. Uh, boys, what do you guys think Maya has to do to split the wins here with uh, Caitlin this Saturday? She's got to watch out, or she's got to get out of the way of that length. I think that you know, Caitlin's done a really good job in all her fights of just being really long and tough and just out striking everybody. And I know, I know Maya wants, she likes to do some missions as well. I think it's going to be tough to do against Caitlin because she has a pedigree as well, but she just can't stay behind that jab and those long strikes all night. She's going to have to find a way to get in and make it dirty and just get in her face and, and kind of push her back some. I think if she can get it on the ground to you, I think Maya does some of some good work. If I don't, if I remember correctly, and I my goal was to rewatch her fight with Shevchenko, but the whole coach stuff threw a little wrench in that. Um, but didn't Maya have some decent exchanges with Shevchenko on the ground? Am I remembering that correctly, or my way off? Maya, yeah, it seemed like early in that fight, Maya was giving Shevchenko a little fits, or maybe was she pressing Valentina against the cage, maybe? I wanted to say she took her down once or twice, but it like I said, I could, be, I could be off there, but um, Maya's a, obviously a black belt. Um, she has a good team under her from the jujitsu. I think, I think if she can get back to that and I looking at her record too, she's been getting decisions for a long time. She hasn't finished a fight. Um, I think the last one here. Yeah. Submission arm bar. That was 2020. 2012. No, no, no. Wait, where am I at? No, she won by sub against Joanne in 2020. Oh, yeah, recently. Okay, that was recent. Okay, before that, yeah. But it's yeah. she gets a lot of decisions. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think she just has to make it dirty, like John said, but also I think the groundwork is gonna gonna kind of lean in her favor too. Yeah, I like Caitlin here, man. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think from I went back and watched their first fight and then kind of watching Caitlin's next couple of fights and watching Maya's next couple of fights. I think Caitlin's striking has improved way, way more yeah. since that first fight than Maya's striking. If you look at that fight back then and look at Maya's most recent win against Jessica, I um, nothing has changed in her striking. That's not to say it's not good. I'm not saying that by any means, um, but Caitlin is just um, kind of right now to me, I, I think she's like one of the most uh, undervalued uh, women fighter, women fighters, excuse me. Um, and, and that's almost across any division. You know, she, she uses, she doesn't have that like devastating knockout power. Um, but what she does, man, she just constantly is tagging her footwork. That's what this is the craziest thing to me. You watch that first Maya fight. And then, like I said, watch her most recent. I mean, it's crazy. Um, the amount of levels that she has taken that up. And uh, obviously uh, trained at the dungeon or uh, excuse me, the basement with uh, the death squad. Um, I believe she still trains there with uh, Hinzo Gracie's gym down there. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, so just really well-rounded, really good off of her back. Um, I do think Maya needs to find a way to get the fight to the mat this time. Uh, she attempted no takedowns in that first fight. And we've seen her dominate there kind of as Brandon um, was kind of alluding to there for a minute. However, Caitlin is really good off of her back. Um, unless she fights Shevchenko. Yeah. Unless she, yeah. Well, and you know, like saying <laughs> that she's, 
Right. Well, and saying she's so undervalued, I think that's one reason why, because I mean, she just had no moments in that Shevchenko fight. You know, like we said with Maya as to where Maya did have some pretty decent moments, you know, you're almost looking like who can lose the best against Valentina. Right. Um, but for whatever reason, stylistically, Maya uh, just matched up a little better and that's okay. But for some reason, I just think from watching that first fight and then seeing where they're both at now, um, I like Caitlin here, man. And I'm going to take Caitlin. I think it's going to go long because she's just said, she's just not really a finisher. Um, Maya is tough. Um, I'll say, so I say uh, Caitlin Jukagian by unanimous decision. Okay. So um, interesting enough, real quick, uh, Maya actually has a win over Jessica Andrade way yeah. back in 2012. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you mentioned that or not, but I did. Um, okay. So anyway, I'm going to take Maya by I'll say submission and I'm going to go round two. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to go Caitlin as well. Um, as I'm going with kind of with Nate on this. I think, um, you know, she's only lost two split decisions to back in the day. Her only current losses are against two of the top, you know, fighters in, in the division and she kind of seems – I mean, she has so many fights in the UFC. Like, she has well over 10. So, at this point, you know, she's seen the best, and I think she's in that that area where she can beat almost everybody but the top, and I think it kind of continues today. I'm going to say Caitlin by uh, – I'll say second-round TKO. Nate, what was your yeah. round and method? I said unanimous decision. Caitlin by UD. Okay. Uh, another fight I want to – just kind of mentioned we won't preview it or pick for it uh but brandon royville is also on this card fighting uh rogerio bontorino or bontorine excuse me and um brandon royville is a guy that when he came in he came in at 2-0 beat tim elliott and kai cara france back to back um and he is coming in on a two-fight loss but his two losses are brandon moreno and alexander pantoja um so you know it's kind of a rough back-to-back in the 125 pound division but you know, I told you guys last week is that's a division I'm really excited about this year. Um, and he's one of those prospects. I still believe in um, his potential and his hype. And I'm, I'm really excited to see him fight right now at the beginning of the year as well. So I just wanted to mention that fight as well. Yeah. I Boy, think he I'm has struggling. A, cool. Yeah. He has a lot of potential. Um, he's <laughs> definitely fought away. I mean, your first four fights, you, you can't get much tougher than that in that division. When you talk about a tough yeah. MLA, <laughs> high car yeah. France, who, you know, was close to getting a title shot and then the actual champ and then another contender so yeah i mean who's tougher than tim elliott you know and then look how well that kai cara france win has aged um yeah yeah, brandon's the champ and you know pantoja him and askarov is official right haven't we announced that is that one or no that's uh kai cara france and askarov i think but you know pantoja is a you know top four guy i think so yeah um you know it's just a big fight for for uh royville young guy um, so super excited to see him on this card as well. Um, mm-hmm. Boys, that is our first UFC fight night. Anything else before we move on? Hey, don't forget about Court McGee. Court McGee is on the prelims. Yeah. That boy's got arms that can reach his ankles when he's standing up. I don't get it. That's true. Well, boys, we are going to move on to Brandon's facts. Don't care about your feelings. And I can't wait because I don't have to talk for a minute. I need to get well, my breath. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I kind of did been tossing around how I wanted to approach this one. Okay. Um, cause there's a, a bunch of different ways I can kind of do it. So I'm going to preface this with a question and then I'll follow it based on your answers with my statement. So I'm going to ask each of you, when you look at a, a company and what, how do you think that the company should determine 
what to pay an employee. This will kind of give you some ideas of where we're going. So I guess it's tough. If you're talking about a company, I would probably say, you know, your qualification. So maybe experience would be the first thing. Education would be another thing. Um, resume. So, you know, whatever industry you're in, you know, if you've proven yourself in the past to be um, an asset, I would say those would probably be the main three things. Okay. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I would add, obviously, you know, what you're bringing to, depending on the, the, like the type of business it is, whether it's like a brand that needs a name added to it or, or somebody with experience. Like if, if you're in the fashion industry and you used to design for Ralph Lauren and this startup company gets you, they can say they have a former Ralph Lauren designer type of thing. Okay. So in your opinion for the UFC and again, this, so another question and then I'll get to my statement. So when it comes to the UFC, what should be the determining factor as to how much a fighter brings in? I would say it'd probably be pretty similar. I off the top, I would say it'd be similar. So, are are you meaning like if there if it's a new signing, or is that or just in general? Like when when every UFC fighter's contract, what determines their new con? Like how? What do you mean by that? Well, I guess both. So, to answer that question in terms of when you have a new fighter and let's say you know a guy who's been fighting ten years because. Those are extremes, but they, they matter. Yeah. So I would say, you know, let's talk about like two 155 pounders, right? So when you sign, you know, and we'll just kind of compare the two Cam Van Camp, who, you know, just signed with the UFC and like Michael Chandler, right? I mean, there's two obvious, clear um, discrepancies there. You know, one, Chandler has more experience, uh, he's been fighting longer. Uh, bigger name, done it in bigger promotions, one title, you know, things like that as to where now that's not to say um, necessarily where he's a better because I, you know, we, you know, obviously we have to see that, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think there's in terms of like payment for the UFC, I think your name, what, like kind of what John was saying with the Ralph Lauren comparison is what you can bring to the company. So if you're an instant pay-per-view star, which I would say uh, Michael Chandler was, because once again, he had main evented in, in the second largest promotion in the world. Um, so yeah, things like that. And, and I think quality of wins outside the UFC, once again, you know, Chandler has beat some, had beaten some really high big name guys that had fought in the UFC and different things like that as well, which kind of goes back to my resume, so to speak, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I would agree that. with those things. I, I, I think the only thing I would add to it is, and this is why, you know, we've talked about this whole UFC needing a union type of thing where you have like a base level when things come in and it's not just, you know, this guy really wants to fight in the UFC, so I know he'll do it for 2,000 to show, 2,000 to win. Whereas if there was some type of set line of, you know, where you have to start, it gives guys a little bit of a better chance there. But you know, when we talk about these things, when you're talking about brand and resume and all these things, you know, a lot of that is subjective as far as by the employer of like, well, you know, are you better than this guy, this guy on the rest roster? Or, you know, why do you deserve this over that guy? So there's definitely a lot of, of red tape around that. But it, I agree with what Nathan said. And it's there's a couple things to it, but I agree with those. Okay. So I'm going to make my statement here. So I'm, in my opinion, the U. I have no problems with the way the UFC structures their fighter pay. And if you disagree with me, I want you to tell me why. 
that's tough because we don't really know how they structure it. You know what I mean? Like, we don't really know what these guys truly make. Based on what we know. Based on what we know. Well, the one I would say the base, the bottom pay thing, which, you know, Jake Paul said it's like 12,000. And, and I don't and I don't know that um, I've never done that research, um, but I would say if that's what it is, I would say that's kind of crappy um, because I feel like that's not even I mean, that's not even like if you so like think of like Terrence McKinney last year. Right. Dude goes out his very first fight in the UFC, knocks some dude out in seven seconds, blows out his ACL, doing a backflip, whatever. Um if I don't know what he made for that fight, but if he only made like 10 or 20, you know, 12 to $20,000 for that win, that's crazy. I mean, I'm assuming he probably got a bonus for the knockout, but I don't agree with that at all because I think, I think 50, go ahead. Sorry. Well, so, well, I was just gonna say, I think, I think what I think is there needs to be, which it's tough because all these men and women live all over the world where minimum wage and different things are so different, but I think there needs to be a bar that is like what is considered a livable wage. And I think if maybe you don't make that in a year and it's due to injury or illness or some crazy life altering thing, I feel like the UFC should somewhat be responsible for making that up. So you're talking a bit more about compensation, kind of like, like a workman's comp almost. Yeah. You're almost kind of getting into like a union thing a little bit. Um, but to me, if Let's- you're, Let's assume just just for argument's sake that that we're talking about somebody who goes through a full fight or a full year calendar year with no injuries, and that no injuries that bar them from I would one of their say, three fights a year. I would still say it's not enough, man. I mean, like you you have to like like just like this. We just were talking about that the Asian UFC fighter. I can't think of his name. Dude was given hand jobs to pay for his training. Like that's insane, bro. Like if you're in the UFC, you should not have to be giving. If you don't want to, you shouldn't have to be giving other men hand jobs to pay for um, your training. You know what I mean? And and so to me, I think that's crazy. I think gym rates are going up as the sport's growing. Um, I, I, I'm sure it's so expensive. I don't really know at the higher level how that works, but I know your coaches get a cut out of that. So if you're making $12,000 and you're even the first fight of the night, I'm sure your manager coaches are going to take you know 10% this guy probably gets 10. I mean, who knows what these people are really left with at the end of the day. John, did you have anything? Yeah, I would say I, I just, I'm kind of with Nathan too, because I feel like, you know, because you, you can't control injury and you can't control COVID. That's another thing that's interesting about this. Cause at that point for a UFC fighter, based on what we know, if it's 12,000 to make like what, you know, somebody like somebody like me makes, they'd have to fight like five, six times, right. Even, even more than that, after they cut out their gym dues, training costs, training partners, you know, potential fixing their injuries. Cause the UFC doesn't have like a healthcare system. So, it, you know, these guys, and then if you're the UFC, it makes more sense to pay them more because then they don't have to work a second job where they could possibly get hurt or get COVID from, or, you know, yeah. there's wasn't Joaquin just, Buckley, like did that crazy spinning, that crazy knockout or that like crazy knockout. And he was like still working security at CVS. <laughs> like yeah, that's what I'm saying. What? It, it, it's dude got it, knockout of the year in the UFC and he's working security at UFC. But I do want to specify real quick. Cause you said, you know, the pay scale, I, I completely understand that some, some fighters 
will and should make more than others. I'm not saying that the whoever's fighting the first fight of the night should make the same as anybody on the main card, for that matter. Um, I'm just saying in terms of the actual dollar amount, what we do know, um, I just I don't agree with it. I don't think it's enough, man. So do you so my so that's kind of a lot but so my thing is it is a lot sorry my my thing is everyone who's who's fighting in the usc even at your low levels is entering into a contract in which they agree to receive the amount of money that they that they sign for sure each fight so given that why are people doing that no if, union. It's, if it's there's nobody to negotiate that so you're kind of if you want to fight in the biggest organization in the world, you, you just have to take it on the chin. I mean, you have no bar. You can't now, if you're Michael Chandler, you know, you can probably lay out a little bit more. more you know leverage. what I mean? Yeah. You have more leverage. Well, but where do but, you think he started with Bellator? He didn't start there. Sure. Yeah. And I'm sure he made less, but I'm mm-hmm. just saying like, if you want to take that grad, that next gradual step. Um, yeah. There's just, there's no way. Well, and, so, I, and I think it's kind of like, you know, and it happens in in other sports it happens in the nfl a lot where a guy will be on his rookie contract and they have the option to extend him or you know re-sign him before he gets to free agency and when he got drafted obviously he still had to prove himself but a rookie contract is four years so after the second year if you're a top guy and there's you know you're you're playing better than you know 90 percent of the field but 90 percent of the field is making more than you that's where you're going to have an issue with how much you're getting paid because your level of play has risen since you signed the contract so with foot so with football um is that it sounds kind of similar to like what nate was saying in terms of like the higher level fighters more popular fighters are bringing in more money is that kind of what you're alluding to? Yeah, but I mean, we don't really need to compare. I mean, football is completely different. Their contracts are structured different. They have a players' union. Yeah, I don't. I don't know much about. Yeah, I mean that. I, I get what John is saying. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I, I was just saying from the when you initially sign your contract, they're sign they're giving you the amount and you're agreeing to the amount that where you're at there. But if you go on a run of like if you signed an eight fight contract and you go on a run of four in a row against the top guys and you're knocking them all out, yet they're paying the guy who's three and four or more then you have, you're going to obviously say something. So I, the, the problem I have with the, with the statement of it's not enough is if it weren't enough, people wouldn't still do it and people wouldn't still seek it out the way they, the way they are. And that wouldn't be the number one organization in the world. People are trying to get to, I mean, at this point, assuming everything that you're saying is hundred percent true and it's not enough, it's total crap. Why would anybody continue to go and try and join this organization? I think I would be more okay with it if there was a like, so once again, to our understanding, the things that we think that we know or that we've heard enough of to be true is every UFC contract I think they're doing right now is like for six or seven fights. Now, like what John was saying, if your stock rises, you know, you can ask to sit down, refigure your contract, but they don't have to. So, you know, and that's what we're kind of seeing with Sean O'Malley, right? Is, you know, he came in with not a lot of notoriety, you know, he did. He got kind of big off the contender series that knockout, um, but he wants more money now. And they don't. But the thing is, they don't. There's nothing that they until he fights out. However, I'm sure it was probably five to six fights. They don't have to reconfigure, you know, his contract. And so I guess if it was like, uh, hey, you know, let's get you in here, maybe like one or two fights, we'll do you at the minimum. 
but then after that, but dude, dude, did you like five or six fights and you have no say in that, but in terms of what you're saying, as far as seeking it out, I get what you're saying as far as if it's that bad, why do it? But it's also, you don't have any other choice. If that so, makes sense. I mean, you, you but you do, do now, I guess. Let me rephrase that because you do now um, with like Bellator and one, and we, but I think that's why we're seeing so many people, you know, not going to the UFC, right. You know, some people are choosing to fight in PFL and like, Hey, I'm going to million dollars. Yeah. I'm going to bet. I'm going to go in, I'm going to bet on myself and I'm going to try to win this million dollars. You know what I mean? It's and same thing with Bellator. They do their million dollar tournaments too. So. Yeah. So that for, go ahead, John. Uh, the only thing I was going to add is, uh, and I think a lot of the complaining you do here still though, is people who are getting to the end of that contract and they want to try to make sure that they have some leverage to get the, the more money since they fought it out. Like somebody like Francis, he's such a huge name. You know, he wins this next fight. He has all the leverage he wants, and the UFC don't really have any other than, well, go somewhere else. And he can be like, okay, well, they'll pay me, so I'm out. So I, I think you do see a lot more of the complaining coming from the people who either have done a lot of, like, short notice and, you know, maybe got hurt or couldn't fight another couple months like on the smaller end, but then I also see it coming from guys whose contracts about up and they're trying to, you know, negotiate and get in a better angle for them to try to get more money and prove their, their worth to the brand. Okay. So for me too, I think my biggest gripe with, with kind of this and people who really go in at Dana for like being, making how much money he's made and, and sort of being like Jake called him a capitalist dude. Um, my problem is, going against that is kind of going against the idea that you can sort of start from nothing and granted the UFC wasn't nothing when Dana picked it up but it was absolutely dying and absolutely wasn't worth much and he turned it into what it is today which was a four billion dollar company and then same thing with the fighters I get that starting at 12 grand a fight is not a lot Uh, let's assume that it's three fights a year you're looking at what 36 grand a year and depending on where the rest of that goes yeah, you're, but, there, even if that is taxes, I mean, not getting anywhere close. Fees. But I think something else that people don't like to talk about is there's a whole lot of other staff that work for the UFC beyond just the fighters. And yes, the fighters are the product, but there's a lot more that goes into that than just having two guys fight each other. I mean, you've got people who do the media, you've got guys who run the, the booths, you've got guys who do all sorts of stuff. And that's a lot of people that need paid underneath the UFC banner. And for the fight, for the fighters specifically, Starting at that low amount, that twelve, you know, twelve thousand, whatever it was. I remember Connor, who was really juiced up because he got a fifty thousand dollar paycheck during a fight. And look at him now. Granted, most of his money now comes from his whiskey, but my point is, I think a lot of that is just setting up the idea that you can start low somewhere and still make it to a really fantastic place if you're willing to put in the work and get stuff done. Kevin Holland's a good example of that. I know he. Not a lot of guys are fighting six times a year, but. He brought home, I think it was 700,000 was reported for his 2020. And he was not a super big guy when he came in. You know what I mean? So he just, he fought every time he could and he won a lot and he won in pretty awesome fashion. Well, I would say the only difference between what you're saying as far as the fighters compared to the people in the building is there's no hazard to their job. They're not putting their life or their anything on the line, their health. They're just walking around watching these guys beat the crap out of each other. If I, if I take a fight and, you know, some guy kicks my leg and I'm, I tear my ACL, I can't make any more money until I heal up and can get to a fight again. And that whatever I made to show and get paid, 
and they don't have like a healthcare system. So I have to pay for that insurance out of that, out of my pocket. I feel like fighters should get hazard pay because their job is so much more dangerous than everybody in the building. I'm not a, go ahead, Jane. No, you're good. Go ahead. I'm not opposed. And I'm not opposed to something like a, like a, a hazard pay or whatever you want to call it, like a workman's comp. But even with that, I think there's a big, part of a big talk about personal responsibility that goes into that. And obviously there's only so much you can control when it comes to injuries, but things outside of the gym, like guys who get into trouble or get arrested and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that comes into play when you talk about missing fights in terms of whether you don't accept a fight. I mean, how many guys turn down fights? Um, there's a lot to that. And I think personal responsibility is a big talking point when it comes to the money piece with this as well. Yeah, I think packages, like just just offering a little bit more outside of just the wage. Um, you know, obviously the UFCPI is there, and we're seeing a lot of fighters starting to move out to Vegas, but that's also not realistic for everybody. Um, you know, not all the fighters even uh live in the US and have families and other things. Um, but I don't know, you know, you kind of said that there, and and it kind of did as in terms of like the the staff and different things. And it kind of just, it did make me think a little bit because, you know, you could also argue, well, do they need that much staff? Like does Dana need cooks and all this stuff that we see on his Instagram? And it's like, well, maybe not that, you know I mean? But, um, all that staff is geared towards growing the sport and growing the organization. And, um, when you see all major sports, um, leagues, you know, they all started like that. Right. You know, I, I know like soccer, I'm a big soccer fan. And back in the 1800s, you know, it was like frowned upon to get paid. You know what I mean? Uh, Cause it was a gentleman's sport. And uh, then, you know, people started getting paid like $20 a match or, you know, whatever. Uh, But now that's like the most high, one of the most highest paid sports in the world. Um, But it took, but like, we just kind of forget to, I think, I guess in kind of defending Brandon's point too, is I guess there is an aspect where, because we're living in 2022, we do forget how fresh this sport is and how new the sport is and how much there still needs to grow and, and things like that. But this is also so tough because if I saw the numbers of what the UFC really makes, I'm sure there's a little bit more there to do a little bit more, if that makes sense. Well, especially when you're adding $10 to the freaking pay-per-view prices. All right. Just bury the news. Go ahead, John. Oh, sorry. <laughs> go, that go, just, John. That just go. burnt me up, man. Go, John. I- how are you going to do that and then say you don't have money to pay people? I think if you want to do this, if you want to keep it the way it is, be transparent about what everybody makes so everybody has leverage to try to say, well, I beat this guy and this guy. They make more money than me. Maybe we should re- like give get, make things transparent to where he can get to, you can have a number to look at instead of it just being like, well, I know John Jones makes a million. I'm not at his level yet, but maybe I'm half. Like I think there needs to be some transparency there at the very least. Um, something you mentioned real just last thing for me something you mentioned Nate that I that I thought was actually a good point was with the PIs like I know he's bringing the PIs out to China I think he's got one in Asia on its way mm-hmm. and then Africa Africa um, and those are, those would be fantastic resources for yeah. um, you know international what do you want to call them international fighters fighters who don't have a ton of money who are working in security at CVS you know they have the ability to go sure. jump in and get you know, talk to a physical therapist or get some proper nutrition and things like that. So I think that's going to just be another kind of avenue to support the fighters. Like you're saying, if he gets them up and I know the pandemic was a big deal. Um, a lot of that was, you know, supposed to happen pre pandemic. And I mean, I can't blame them 
you know, that's their business for kind of stopping it. And it, I mean, they weren't making money. So like everybody else, uh, but yeah, I agree. I think more things like that, um, could really help, you know, if, if you're just a fighter and you can just go get your meals taken care of and your physical therapy and, you know, go see a, maybe a half decent doctor, you know, just, just different things like that. Uh, so yeah, good one. I like it. Uh, well, boys, let's move on to the news. John hit us with a jangle. Now we're going to hear the news. Hopefully that's the last one you have to do, man. Please. That's the goal. Brandon hasn't even helped me once. Not once has he helped me. <laughs> To be honest, I was kind of I've been waiting on it to just be like randomly. Brandon, get us with the news jingle. But you won't do it. You'll be like, oh man, I can't do it. Oh, I would have had something. No, I would have yeah. uh news. Boys, this past week, the UFC announces UFC 272 on March 5th will be headlined by the featherweight trilogy title fight, Alexander Vol- Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway, and the rematch, Piotr Jan versus Aljamain Sterling for the Bantamweight title unification. Then not even two days later, uh, Max announces he has to withdraw after re-aggravating a prior injury. Um, a couple have thrown their name into the hat to fill in for Max, most notably Triple C himself, Henry mm-hmm. Cejudo. Uh, but as we sit here today, it seems like our new featherweight title fight uh, for this March 5th will be Alexander Volkanovsky versus the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. Uh, both guys want the fight and have seemingly agreed to it. Uh, all signs are pointing to this happening. Uh, so what's your guys' early thoughts on on that fight? And did the UFC make the right decision? Um, it definitely surprised me. So initially, I was like, no, this is a dumb. I don't, I don't understand this at all. Like, I don't think it's a good choice. Um, Chance, I think he's coming off the win over, who did you speak? Uh, he lost to Ortega. Yeah, but he beat somebody after that over the summer. Um, yeah, he's anyway, like fourth or fifth, I think I do yeah. know that. But anyway, it wasn't, you know, when I look at Zombie, I wasn't immediately thinking like, oh, he deserves a title fight. But when you look at people in the division, for in my opinion, he beat Danny Gay. Okay, it was he Gay. Um, I don't know that there's a better one. That's kind of my thing. I don't know yeah. that there was a better option. So I can't be too mad at it. You know, so I instantly thought, like, well, oh, Giga, Giga Chikadze, Calvin Cater. I mean, that just raises the stakes for this fight. And I've seen a lot of people say that they think the UFC should have waited until after this main event to make that decision. Um, Like I said, as we sit here now, uh, to my knowledge, nothing has been formally signed, uh, but it sounds like that is the one, you know, Hawani and a bunch of other sources have posted that um, it's getting closer to being a done done deal. Um, I still wouldn't mind seeing, you know, especially if Giga won that fight this week, wins that fight this weekend, you know, maybe seeing him get an early crack at it. Uh, I don't hate the triple C idea though. The Henry Cejudo, I think that makes that a huge fight. Um, you know, Volkanovsky is a smaller 145er. So what better chance for a guy like Cejudo to go in, um, and potentially get his third UFC title, which the story behind that and everything that that could have been, uh, would just be absolutely insane to me. Uh, that would be, I think that would be awesome. Um, but I don't hate the Korean zombie, man. I think, I just don't know if I like that fight for him. Uh, but I don't hate it. I mean, it'll be a fun fight, right? I mean, Korean zombie doesn't have boring fights. So John, what do you think? I I seen, um, another person who called him out was Yair. And uh, Volkanovski actually it's tough coming off that max loss, though. Yeah, well, Volkanovski kind of responded and basically said, because Yair used some very uh, obscene language. I don't know if he was trying to just get his promo in to try to push him up higher on the list, but 
uh, Volkanovsky basically said, if something falls through with this Korean zombie, there's a good chance it's you. But yeah. it, it is tough off the max, but I thought that was a he close should, fight. Uh, Volk shot. Giga did say something, and Volk basically said, nah, son. <laughs> he yeah. said he, he shot it down pretty quick. So. Yeah, I, I thought Triple C and I thought Yair were two good ones. Like I said, because Yair, was, it was a good fight against Max. It was close. So that it's kind of like the but we've also seen less deserving people get title shots we've seen sure you know dan henderson randomly get a title shot we've seen you know chael randomly get a shot at john jones like there's there's people who randomly kind of fall into shots i mean aldo got a shot off of his loss to marlin who people mm -hmm. thought he won but he lost the decision so but i, I you know like you said there's there's no way this is a boring fight so if we're going to get to see volkanovsky fight somebody it's kind of like the Usman and Mazaval, like on the last second thing, where you're just kind of like, oh, this will be a good fight against, you know, a guy who we want to see as many good fights from as we can with Volkanovsky because he's molding into one of the graders of that division. Yeah. I also don't think we, I think we underestimate, we forget, because uh, we just don't see it or know how massive of a star uh, the Korean zombie is over there in Asia, obviously, especially mm -hmm. Korea. Uh, so I'm sure for them, it's just any, any chance to get, you know, that Korean or that Asian market going. Um, you know, even if it is a Korean, like uh, Chan Sung Jong is probably huge for them. Best so, merch in the game, too. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen some new merch from him in a while, though. But it's, uh, it is nasty when he drops it. Yeah. Uh, boys, John said it earlier. The UFC raises their pay-per-view prices for the third time uh, since the Endeavor acquisition. Uh, starting at UFC 270, which is in two weeks, the standalone price for UFC pay-per-views on ESPN Plus will now be $74.99, an almost $5 increase from their previous price at $69.99. Uh, boys, $100 pay-per-views coming soon. Plus, not to mention, you also have your ESPN monthly subscription as well. So it's getting pricey. Yeah, it is. What do you, let's, you think if it hits 100, you think people still, you still have the same number of years? I don't know. No, well, we're gonna find out because I think it's head. I mean, it's 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 heading that way. I mean, Endeavor's only owned the UFC for two, three years, maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. The COVID makes everything seem so weird, off like timelines. But uh, Tovorty have bumped. I mean, I think they've bumped it almost every year by like five or ten bucks. So yeah, it, we'll be there. When you talk about like hundred dollar situations like that, you talk about like the Floyd fights and stuff, but that's like once a year, once every couple of years. Yeah. To try to do that every month, we're gonna have to add five people into our watch the UFC party yeah. because <laughs> yeah, we gotta have a different breakup here, or else I'm gonna have to start like taking like donating plasma or something to get my part. I don't know, mm -hmm. man. I, yeah, I'm not a fan of it, especially as as saturated as they are. You're gonna have to save some of these fight night card or fight night main events to put on the undercard or on the, on the main card to make them worth more. You keep moving this price up. Boys. Last thing, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Rafael Faiziv is official for um, lightweight UFC fight night, February 19th. That's a banger. Big time. That's going to be a fun one. I'm really excited for that. I like Faziv in that one. I do too. Me as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, uh, before we get out of here, we have a special one for the people. Um, our Matt Sensei, Jacob Herlock, posed this question to us. Um, so we're going to do it. If aliens invaded us today, you have to put either Chael Sonnen or Conor McGregor on the mic to make first contract contact. Who are you picking and why? Let's start with John. All right. 
thought about this. I put a lot of things into consideration. In a uh, which in means essence, he's definitely making this up off the top. No, 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 no. I've been thinking about this all day. In essence, a Jacob. Just, all right, here we go. I got three things I'm looking at. Uh, jokes. Who's gonna you know come out with that? Uh, swagger. I'm looking at tone. Basically, I think I'm gonna go with Chell only because I think he can read rooms a little bit and kind of change his tone of things. And Connor always talks the way he talks to people is, I know I can beat you up, so I'm gonna say what I want. And Chael's going to be slick, but I think he also – he's I've seen him, like, back out of conversations sometimes where he's just like, I'm going to initially come out like this, and then I'm going to kind of move off into the corner where it's a little bit safer, whereas Connor's, like, getting in people's faces and telling them that's why your mom died, and that's just not a good thing you want to have representing the, the world. So I'm going with that boy, Chael. Brandon? Yeah, so this is kind of like the lesser of two evils for me. Um I don't think that either of them are great choices, but I think that <laughs> Connor would absolutely ensure that the world was destroyed. Um, that dude, when he gets on a mic, he he would negotiate for himself. He yeah, he he would. Who the fuck are these guys? Yeah, you know we can't have like, yeah, we can't this, have that. Yeah, I don't okay. need that kind of energy. Yeah, and some some people are here that could potentially blow the world. So that being said, I'm going with Chael. Um, he actually has a decent understanding of politics and how to yep. have discussions at you know lo- lower than like a ginormous decibel like connor and he actually has an idea of how to use logic in some scenarios so i'm, I'm gonna take chill take chill unless yeah, he's yeah. alien or brazilian then it'd be a little bit of different conversation <laughs> yeah we don't we don't need connor you'll do nothing you'll do nothing <laughs> no I, I think chill's the, the most logical pick here for this scenario um because yeah like brandon said the political stuff um he's also a great bser uh, so he, he, you know, he'll, he'll tell them what they want to hear, even though he knows he's lying. Um, I think the bigger question here that Jacob wants answered is who is your all time favorite on the mic between these two? Uh, because me and him talked about it. I told him it's so hard to compare because I think they were so different in their approaches as to where, you know, Chell, what Chell said was it was scripted. I mean, he had it all pre-planned. It, it was never off the top. And when he did go off the top, he would get a little stuttery, right? You know, he, uh, you know, he wasn't that great, but you know, when he had those like pre-planned, like ready to go written rhymes and all that stuff, it was fun. Um, and then Connor, you know, Connor's ability to trash talk, say things off the top, be funny, but then the way that he said things and then actually went and did it in the fight, the whole mystic Mac thing for a while. Right. Like that was fun. I don't care if you were a fan of him, of him or not. I think that's actually a reason why a lot of people hate him because everybody wanted him to be wrong to some degree. I mean, he just kept doing it. Say what? Eventually he was. Eventually he was. Yeah, against Habib, you're right. Uh, so it's tough, man, because they were so different. I I give because I give Chael the create the uh, creativity for you know being able to come up with the stuff that he did. But once again, to be able to do it off the top is just it's a whole different uh, beast animal. I think level. So yeah, I think I kind of agree. They're pretty different. I honestly feel like you know Chael and Colby would be more similar. Yeah, uh, but here's the thing, man. The other thing about Connor, I don't know that there's anybody that really compares to what Connor does in terms yeah. of similarity. Um, but yeah, that being said, though, if aliens are coming down, I'm still not picking him. So. I would say Chael is better than Colby off the top. Colby's terrible off the if he if Colby has to go off script, he is screwed. Uh yeah. Chael could kind of riff for a minute. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think That's the difference for me as far as like all time, like on the mic, because like being an old wrestling fan, you you know the difference yeah, that was between Chael. For sure. You know, Chael. But what Connor is, is he's kind of like that stone cold where he's just that heel that is going to be 
very petty, very savage. He's going to say whatever he wants. And it's like, well, what are you going to do about it? See, I think he's more like the rock where yeah, like he's a heel, but people cheer for him because he's the, like, sometimes you cheer for him. Cause he's the, yeah. like, he's so good at being bad. Uh, I will throw my wild card in. If I got to throw in a wild card on who to talk to aliens, I would send Derek Lewis. <laughs> Brandon, what would your wild card be? Oh, geez. Wild card. Derek Lewis is a good one. Um, Cause I know mine. Is yeah. it Yoel Ramiro? No, because no. we don't don't <laughs> go to Alien Jesus. We don't we don't need that. <laughs> I don't have a good one. Man. I'll tell like, you who mine is. Mine would be GSP. Okay, mm-hmm. not a great talker, but I feel like the communicate. He talks like an alien already. The whole like you know, like I feel like he sounds like an alien, like what we think they would probably sound like. So I feel like there would be that. He looks political. He's got a good look to him. He's obviously polite. very he's very polite, very dangerous. But how I want the scene set up is I want him to walk in, nice suit, sit down, communicate with him. But I want Francis and Ganu in there with him, just standing behind him in like his African garb with his arms folded. Because yeah. he looks like he doesn't look like he's from this planet. Because we got to let these people know, like, hey, we're, we're not here to mess about. Like, we got some real muscle here, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And so, yeah. and then like maybe like randomly he just like slams his fist on the desk or something. But I'd probably send GSP in there. Yeah, I, I think if we want to all survive, and but we'd also be a little submissive doing this. Greg Jackson, hey guys, I just want to welcome you to the earth. You know, you're doing good. You're doing good already. Yeah, I saw you fly in. It looked great. That was a great landing. Yeah, technique was there. And we're just going to breathe and we're going to talk. What do you got? Go. Yeah. Yeah. Winkle John. Mike, go. He's going to start going off and go, you go. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there it is. Uh, yeah, that, that's fun. If you guys have any uh, fun questions or debates or anything like that that we could do for our one for the people, uh, hit our IG DMs at Neon Belly Podcast. Uh, before we go, Brandon, what is your song of the week? So I don't. I was trying to look back to make sure I didn't repeat a song, but I was gonna go with Curtis Mayfield's Pusher Man. I don't think I've done that one I, yet. Gosh, I don't even know where you find these songs. Do you know who that is? No. I know oh what you're gosh. talking about. I've sampled it before. It's it's just funny to me that like uh like the fact that you thought you would repeat songs. I, I, that's so you. Like you probably have like seven songs that you like in the world. I listen to seven songs, sometimes <laughs> in different orders. I want so, your reaction. So when you listen to this song, I want you to to. I want to get your reaction because you you've heard it before, a hundred percent. Okay, maybe I have. I just don't. I don't know the because I've sampled it. It's been sampled a bunch of times. It's been in a lot of movies. It's okay. It's a classic. Okay, maybe I have heard it. Probably the best song Brandon's ever suggested. Suggested on the pod. So. I said I said Pusher Man by Curtis Mayfield, right? That's what I said. Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Are you okay with that? I am, but uh, I was getting a lot of hype and I was confused. So, <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna play that for Oliver and put him on game? I've already played it. For, he, he listens to it all the time. Well, you should know he'll get after that money, dog. Yeah. Boys, that is it. Hopefully, for our last, very last. Well, it probably won't be our video. I'm sure we'll have to go back to it for different reasons. But uh, Zoom podcast, hopefully we'll be back in person next week, back on the soundboard. Brandon, hope you don't have COVID, man. Uh, oh, we'll and, see. You're, and you're able to make it in. If not, we will, uh, me and John will be together and we'll just Zoom you yeah. in. I hope both of you are because I don't know if I have good enough Wi-Fi to make it through by myself all the way. Yeah, so. John made it through an episode, man. Everybody, yeah. let's clap it up for that. Yeah. John, you did it, man. We we, hey. we we never thought you would do it, but you made it. Congratulations. Shout out to AT&T and this mic that Chase gave me. I've, I've kind of made it <laughs> work now at this point. <laughs> there it is. Well, boys, let's get out of here. And when we do, he said it, Brandon, sing us out.
Oh, you want me to sing a song? Hey, you 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 talk this. You talk the talk. Now you got to walk the walk. No, dude, I was just ready for sing the, the song you suggested. Go ahead, go. Yeah, there you go. It's the song of the week. Ooh, there's a lot of curse words in that song. Um, do you know Dusty yeah. Rhodes' entrance song? I have, who's Dusty Rhodes? The wrestler. The American Dream. Dusty be Rhodes. So mad. I know who Goldberg is. <laughs> do you want to give us like a "Don't you think I'm sexy"? Or I mean, I don't. His don't was like music. Is. I don't know. You just gotta sing us something. No, sing sing something. Yeah, dude. I dude, why are you making me do this? Because it's, it's, it's the last Zoom pod. It's the last Zoom pod. We gotta leave it on high. We can't leave it negatively. I can't do it, dude. You put me on the spot. I'm getting nervous. I'm getting sweaty. I'll, I've been waiting for you to make me do the news. Yeah, just yeah. the jingle. Just to do that's like a two second jingle. I got to sing like four words of a song, man. Come on. Do you know the Brady Bunch? Amazing. There we grace. go. Yep. How sweet. His eyes are closed, people. <laughs> can't wait for you to clip this. Keep, keep them tight. <laughs> keep no, going. That's all I got. That's that all I got. Gave. Come on. I don't know the rest of the words. That they, saved, they saved a wrench. I don't, I'm not on trust. Saved you. a wrench. I'll say it and you sing it. That saved That's a wrench. A wrench. Like me. Like me. There it is. That's all we needed. Sweet. I like it. We will see you guys next week on the Neon Billy podcast. Music and all. Peace. Peace.